0: Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Youth Soccer in America podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Sean Kaikinall, along with Ben Mortimer. Ben, how you doing? Very well, thank you, Sean. All right. Well, welcome back to Youth Soccer in America, where we're talking, we're talking all things that have to do with youth soccer and the development and the clubs and the structures and everything that it entails in the United States and how it pertains to you. Uh, today, one of the topics that we're going to uh, talk about is practicing, a youth player, and practicing outside of his normal sessions that are with his clubs or coaches. So, uh, Ben, is it important for players to be playing outside of their organized training sessions?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think it is. One of the problems that we have a lot of the times is parents and kids bring, their, bring themselves to practice and then they think that practicing twice a week for a couple of hours is going to make them into the next messy. Obviously, that's not how it happens. Players like Messi practiced a lot on the streets or with their friends growing up before, obviously, they they move on to professional clubs and get top-quality coaching. So, for me, practice outside of practice is imperative to becoming a better soccer player.
0: Uh, Absolutely right. Training is important with your team and with your coaches. But training can only go so far. And when you're a coach, there's no doubt when you're coaching a team, you're thinking more about the team dynamics, how players work together, A little bit of tactics are spread in there as well even at the younger ages so uh you know the technique is learned at the training session by the kids um but then where it's perfected is at home and you know is that is that something that needs to happen organically or do you think that these kids should be having detailed you know regimen when they go home kind of like homework where it's assigned by their teacher or should it just be something where they go play with the ball
1: well you look at how kids play today the younger kids they play with play dates so they have a scheduled play date with their nannies or their parents or whoever it is they'll say ok you're going to go and play with little johnny today between 3 and 4.30 so you're going to go there and you can play so the organic idea of kids just going out and playing on the street I think doesn't happen as much as it probably used to for whatever reason that is so I think parents have to encourage their kids to get out and play with a ball and friends amongst themselves have to try and get each other out to get out and play with a ball but obviously there's a different culture in different parts of the States where some parents don't allow their kids to go out and play in the afternoon, like I'm sure you did, Sean, as you were growing up and as I did. Uh, and then some areas, kids do get the chance to go out and play, but their sport of choice might not be soccer. It might well, be yeah, and I agree baseball,
0: with that. Whiffle ball. I agree with that. I also think that it's sort of something that's innate with a, a kid. If a kid loves something, he's going to go home and he's going to practice it. You know, so if you love the game of soccer and you watch it on television, you practice it with your team, you know, on your Tuesdays and Thursdays, and play a game on the weekends. If you're going to come home and if you have a love for the game, you're just going to put a ball out and start playing with it. It's sort of those techniques and skills that a kid's going to get by working with the ball by themselves. That's something where, yes, the proper technique is taught in training, but to perfect it, master it, to make it muscle memory, so they're just doing it without thinking about it, that can be done. That's done at home, and sometimes that's where a kid comes up with, uh, you know, different skill or move or an ability to uh, get out of a tight spot just by doing it and playing it with themselves and doing it on their own. It wasn't necessarily even taught by their coach. Uh, Can there be planned, you know, sessions and things and skills and techniques to work on that they've gotten from their coach? Absolutely, you know. Do you send your kids home? I know you work with uh, a lot of young guys, with U9s and U10s, with one of uh, the travel teams in the D.C. area here. Do you send them home and give them specific things, or do you just encourage them to play?
1: Well, I I give players individual games and ideas every practice that they can go away with and replicate on their own with their friends or family, or even on their own. But one of the things that uh, I just actually spoke to the players about was having their best friend be a brick wall. That sounds a bit... (laughs) Ridiculous, but if you've got a ball and a brick wall, you've got somebody that's always going to be there for you, always dependable, and somebody that doesn't have a bad touch. So, you know, you can hack a ball at a wall for hours and work on various different things receiving a ball from the air, working on your striking of the ball, working on your turning, your skills, your reception, all those types of things. So, you know, I think that there's no excuse to say I didn't have somebody to play with. If you've got a brick wall, which everybody has, I mean, most of the kids I spoke to live in an actual house. So they have a wall obviously you don't want one with windows because we've all seen what kids can do with windows but if you've got a wall and a ball then you've got no excuse not to get out there and play so for me the the key thing for the coaches is not necessarily saying okay here's eight different practices that i want you to do outside of practice it's getting them to enjoy playing enough to want to get out with a ball on their own so planting that seed of I love this game. I want to improve at this game, and all I want to do is kick this ball around. That, for me, I think, is the coach's most important role. I
0: absolutely agree with that. Now, one of the things that we've been doing with our with our group uh, of uh, U10s, which is a pretty good team in the area here, is we've been we've been trying to give them goals to kind of to do. We've been giving them some hey, so go home, everyone. You should be getting 50 juggles. You should do that and having a little incentive. Um, when they come back a little bit of a prize or something that we encourage them and we kind of let it be known amongst the group, so they're going home and working on it then, on themselves we're not necessarily giving them uh, in our teams specific go home and do 37 step overs, do 29 fake kicks each day, do this We're not. it's not a regimented out uh, plan because it's, you know, it's got to be something that the kids love and that's a time for a kid to kind of find out stuff on their own, certain players have certain skill sets, certain Uh, maneuvers that are easier for them so yeah i think for us that's that's one of the best things to do There.
1: yeah the expectations i think you just you just touched on it there about um the juggling you know we expect all the kids to be able to do at u9 10 juggles that's not that much to ask no and a lot of the kids at the beginning don't know how they're ever going to get there because some of them can't do one at the moment but by the end of a, a spring season and a fall season and hopefully some work during the winter and the summer you know within a year that will be easily beaten so by the time they move into the next age group they should be up to 20-25 juggles no problem and then once you crush the 50 mark as we all know it's downhill from there it's easy so you know for the expectations for me are important expecting boys to be able to do certain things or players should i say to be able to do certain things with the ball those things coming through from the coaches and from the club you know saying that look you're a travel soccer player it's not good enough just to turn up it's not good enough just to be here and kick a ball around for a couple of hours, you have to work away well, and practice. Not. It's certainly not.
0: I mean, we're at, we look at homework or math or anything you do. You learn the concept
1: at school. You
0: go away from that. You perfect it, and you, you master the concept at home so it prepares you for the test, and then you review when you get back in class again. It's not really possible to become you know a master or become perfect or become skilled in any sort of technique or anything in life unless you're going home and working on it. Yeah, growth.
1: and we spoke to the boys about learning Spanish. We have a few boys that are bilingual in our team, or some of them are even more so than trilingual. You need to
0: get to some of your training sessions here. Yeah,
1: uh, so that educated kids You here. know, I spoke to them about how they how they learned their second or third language. I said, did you just practice it once a week or twice a week? And they said, no, we, we practiced it a lot. I said, well, how much was a lot? And they said, well, we practiced every day. Every day we'd talk to somebody in Spanish. Mm -hmm. If it was my mother or whoever it was, I'd speak the language to them every single day. And I said, did it become easier after time? They said, yeah. I said, did you practice a lot? Yeah. I said, the same thing happens with soccer. So you need to have that same mentality.
0: It's probably better to do most things where you do... And this is something I encourage a lot of my players is if it's 10, 15, 20 minutes a day, it's better to do that than it is to try to do one day of two hours at the end of the week it's sometimes you fill that glass one drop at a time and it's not necessarily that you always see the improvement after you know a week or a month or two months even although you probably should see some improvement by then you're going to start to see that over you know three four five six months through the year and it's just a little bit building it
1: every day you know so sean i've got a question for you about the ten thousand hour rule do you think the 10,000 hour rule is a, is a good benchmark for what our players should be looking at working on and how much does that break down to a week? Do you remember?
0: I, I don't remember. I don't know the science on it all. I don't know if it exactly fits. All I do know is if you spend 10,000 hours doing anything, you're probably going to be as best as you can be at it. Of course, there are other ways to you know, try to be more efficient in your training, but you're going to get a lot better. There's no doubt about it. the more time you put into something, the better you're going to be at it. What is the... What is the math for the amount of time and per week and per day that you're supposed to put in? Do you know
1: it, Ben? Yeah, I know it, yeah. Oh, fuck. Yeah. Of course you does. <laughs> good, <laughs> no, I don't know. Good setup. Well, so it, dep- know. it depends, doesn't it? It depends when you start that 10,000-hour right training. You if you do it for kid. 10 years or if you do it for yeah, you know, 15 years, it depends how long that span is. But obviously, if it's 10,000 hours over 10 years, 1,000 hours a year. Yeah. I mean, that, that obviously is a lot. But at the same time, I think... Whether or not you agree with that concept and and that training plan, I think it definitely has sort of a a ring to it and a magic number now, and although we're not talking about the individual breakdown or specific breakdown of it, the ten thousand hour rule basically means get out and play. Yeah. There's no doubt about that. Especially when you're you just gotta touch the ball. You can't you can't
0: fake technique on the ball it's only about being familiar getting familiar with it getting more touches with it now we talked about it with the younger ages at U9 U10 you know we're talking about the young boys that should be something that's very organic now I think and just like to get your thoughts on when we start to get older to U14 U15 U16 you know even a little bit start to get to U13 does the takeaway and the work at home you know does it need to be a little bit more specific and Things where there's, you know, an exact technique, striking the ball at the outside of your foot, receiving balls out of the air, you know, trying to whip a ball as opposed to driving a
1: ball. Different sort of techniques? I think absolutely different sorts of techniques because hopefully the base level of of skill is... We hope they can juggle by then. You hope they can juggle. They hope they can receive a ball. but Maybe receiving a ball, but before you receive it, putting a little disguise or faking to shift your body. Um, obviously moving to meet the ball, taking the ball of any surface of the body and getting it out of your feet early into space. Taking it on, the move, not taking it on just, the move, not a dead touch. And like you said about being able to whip a ball and use different surfaces of your foot to drive a ball and just increase your range of passing as your muscles develop and your power develops, I think is is important and essential if you're going to hope to play at a higher level or be consistently decent in your travel team that you play at.
0: Yeah, and I think definitely... Walking away and doing, working on, you know, just basic skills. You never stop that. I, I, I know that at any level, on any team that I always went up, we continued to work on the basics and the technique. Now, we didn't just continue to work on it at the same level and the same uh, speed that we did when we were younger. It just got faster, faster and cleaner, faster and cleaner, more efficient. Could we make it faster? Could we make it cleaner? Could we have more detail into it where we were passing the ball on the ground, it didn't bounce, we played it with the correct speed, whether it needed to get there quickly or a little bit softer because the person I was passing to had one touch. Did we play it to the correct side of a person's body? So everything got a little more detailed where it was, everything was more accurate, more efficient, it was faster, and the speed of play just picked up. Because I think that's what happens as kids get older. So it's important that when you train, as you get older, that it's not, it's not just how much you train, it's how you actually train. Is it—is it pushing your speed and increasing? Well, I think
1: what you just said there is you've hit the nail on the head. I think you have to be a lot more thoughtful. The older you get, you have to think more about what you're doing with the ball. So you have to think about how the person you're passing to would like to receive it. So, for example, if I was playing a ball to Sean here who's got a lovely left foot. Only only, left, only foot. left foot. The right one's just for standing on. Barely. But if I, if I played Sean the ball, obviously I wouldn't want to bundle it into his right because I know that he might have a bit of a ropey I mean, touch. It'll, it'll be clean. It'll touch it back to my left, though. But <laughs> if I wanted him to keep it or to be able to do something decent with the ball, obviously I'd want to try and fizz yes, it into his left please. so he had a chance to get it out of his feet and do what I know he can do. So, you know, those types of things, that thought process goes through my head because obviously I'm an older player. But... As a younger player, sometimes that thought process isn't there. It's just get the ball to feet or get to the ball to that player, and my job's done.
0: It's not just a good pass if it gets to somebody. It's how it gets to somebody. Does it help that person do whatever it is that they need to do, whether it's pass, dribble, or shoot? Does my pass
1: help set that up? Yeah, exactly. And and a lot of players, you know, it comes the they might have the skills. Obviously, you can always work on the skills and the technique because no one's perfect to that. But it also comes with the mental aspect to the game where you have to think about some tactical decisions, where you are on the field, how you defend, um, and also when you get the ball, how you possess it and how you keep it.
0: Well, it changes how you train. And that's one of the things uh, working with the Division I team in the area here that, that we try to do is that we, we want things to not just go through the same technique and to walk through it, but we, we, we ask them to think about the details because the more we think about them sort of consciously and the, the more we do it and the faster we do it, the more it just actually becomes ingrained in muscle memory where we just we react and we start playing that way. So you, let, you don't think about it. Because in the game, you don't have much time to sort of cognitively think about, oh, wait, what foot is Jimmy again? Let me play it to his right foot. Uh, there's a defender on his left side, so I'm going to play a little bit in front of him and short, but to his right foot, so he has to come to it. No, you don't have time. You have to sort of analyze, read the situation, the scenario, and then play that kind of ball, all sort of based on feel, now, granted, that feel will come
1: because you've practiced these techniques and you've done them enough that it's muscle memory. It's ingrained. So you've mentioned muscle memory there, Sean. When do you think is the appropriate age to start throwing a few weights around and and getting a bit buff? I know obviously you mentioned the older age groups there, 13 plus. Yeah. Their social life definitely changes. You know, people start having boyfriends and girlfriends. Yes. They got a lot of things going on at school. They want to. You know, getting involved in other sports and whatnot. But a lot of parents say to me with the younger age groups, you know, when are you working on fitness? Or yeah. when are you going to work on stretching? Or when are you going to work on lifting weights or something like that? You well, know? lifting weights
0: for sure is for the older, you know, the muscle and the body. It has to develop and grow and be finished. Otherwise, there's some detriment that can be done for me and from everything that I've learned and know about uh, fitness. Uh, I know that in Ajax, they start real early, and something that's really important that you can start early is running technique and running form. Um, over in Ajax, they have, it's a, a Dutch club based in Amsterdam that has developed and produced some of the best players in the world. Holland is a small country of 18 million people, and Ajax has produced uh, you know, some of the best players that have gone on and with Johan Cruyff and Klivert and Van bastian and there's just been so many players from Burkamp that have co- played in England. They start and they, they've got a university that started to analyze the running technique of the top soccer players in the world. And they basically analyzed and mimicked and found the movements and started to train those movements within their youth teams as early as 10, 11, 12, that even in their warm-ups they're working on the correct running technique and running form to get them from point A to point B in the most efficient manner possible, You know, all maintaining it and putting it within the uh, you know, the movements that uh, the game of soccer provides. So, you know, I think that stuff can be done early. Running technique, form, so that people can be as quick as quick as they can. Now, maybe it only changes 10% of your speed, but that 10% can can help.
1: Is that something that you'd expect the kids to go away and work on outside of practice? Or is that something that you'd introduce during your practices with, like, a plyometric ladder we, or something yeah, we, like that? Yeah, we do that in
0: the it? beginning for warm-up a little bit. I don't think it's... Kids can go work on it. I think you can... It's, I, for me, it's more efficient to go home and work on stuff with the ball than it is to work with running technique. Yeah, I agree. That's there's no doubt about that. You'll start running, even you'll start and continue to run. You run every day in your training sessions. You'll run, so you can work on those little things. And those are the finer tune, you know, aspects of the game. But you got I, the ball technique on the ball is so much more important to me than because how many people have you seen where you go, gosh, that guy looks like he can barely move, and then the ball gets onto him and it's velcro on his foot. So and he can still affect the game and play.
1: There's no doubt about that. Yeah, so I mean, we I've I've read a book called The Talent Code. There's a few other books out there like Bounce and and certain things like that where they talk about how people believe certain players are talented or certain individuals yeah. are, are gifted from from up high that they just don't really have to do anything to to become where they get. So you know that's that's a common misconception I think, yeah, especially I in US sports where people think that just because somebody was born tall or or born um, fast, athletic, fast, quick athletic, you know, you know, they, run, jump. they think that they've become some sort of great player Now, when you look at soccer players we're going to keep on because obviously we're talking about soccer here yeah. But you look at somebody like David Beckham he mentions a lot in his autobiography and he's spoken about this numerous times about how much he practised how many hours he spent on the field practising his free kicks and how he was the last guy even when he made it pro he was the last guy off the training field and he was the first guy in because he wanted to work hard to become the best. Now, was he the best in the world as a player? Probably not. But was it, is his free kick and his delivery the best in the world? And did he still affect games? Absolutely. Let's, it's,
0: this is the Tebow that we gotta mention more Beckham, get more people listening to our podcast. But no, you're absolutely right. You can affect the game. I mean, there's no doubt about it. Lionel Messi is super quick and the best player in the world, and maybe the best player of you know of all time in terms of you know, no doubt one of the top five best players. But he's Five foot six five foot seven and this technique 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 it's all learned and yes you can be gifted with a certain amount of athletic ability but this uh, skill and the speed and everything that
1: is involved with it has to be developed there's no shortcuts around that there's no doubt about it so so Sean if I want to be the next Lionel Messi I'm nine years old and I I'm looking to become the next Messi. I want to play for Barcelona. Actually, no, I'm a Madridista. I want to play for Real Madrid. What can I do, do you think, right now in terms of outside of practice to make me a better player? Work with the ball. Work with it every day.
0: 15, 20, 30 minutes, however much your day will allow and your parents will allow you. Get out there. Touch the ball. Juggle it. Become a master of it. Juggling right and left foot. Juggling with it with no spin. Juggling with backspin. Working on stepovers, pullbacks, dribbling, going outside, dribbling around, you know, leaves that have fallen, so you're dribbling around, uh, you know, in your driveway and try not to hit the leaves. Make little games for yourself, little skills, little techniques. Go play two-on-two with your friends in the neighborhood. Go work on striking a ball against the wall. Work on receiving it out of the air. All these techniques you can do. You can make a competition. You can make a game out of it. But whatever it is that you're doing, be on the ball. Make it dynamic. Be active with it. You know, and then... Have a love for it, and you'll continue to grow. And those things will start to show itself in practice and in games. But do your homework first. Yeah, do your homework first, kids. All right, Ben. Well, thank you for uh, joining us today. And uh, this is all for our podcast. Hopefully, there's some takeaways. Get with the ball. Practice outside of your sessions. You'll become a lot better player. Um, For Ben Mortimer, this is Sean Kuykendall for Youth Soccer in America. (laughs)